This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. We're sponsored by Neomodern.com, bringing concierge photo printing and framing to everyone with a smartphone. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neomodern, and grumpy old man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Rubin. Hey, Suzanne. How you doing? I'm doing really, really well. I'm very excited about today's show. I'm glad you are. You know, it, it's really fun for me to have a podcast because I get to call people who I really like and, you know. (laughs) Have always wanted to talk more to. Yeah, you know, it's like Chris and I haven't spoken in a while and um, we met a couple years ago. Uh, Let's back up here. Everybody, this is Chris Sanford. Chris, everybody. Hello, everyone. (laughs) And Suzanne. Um, Chris and I met at PhotoFest maybe a couple years back. Was that what it was? We had a great time. Yeah, in Houston. Yeah. Yeah, Cool experience. Chris, um has a, a distinguished career as a fine art photographer, and I love your, your fine art work. And you, I guess you support yourself for the re- other half of your life is as an educator. You teach, you're a professor of photography and have done that for a while. Um, and I, I would say, in pulling off of your website, you've self-described that your art explores intimate relationships, specifically queer desire through the use of appropriated images, video, and text. So that's a interesting sort of set there. Uh, Appropriated images. Hmm. Yeah. Well, so I started um, working in that vein by um, having this collection of photographs that my grandmother had. And they were pictures from uh, parties that she used to have where women were dancing with each other. Uh, Sometimes they were dressed in in drag, what what appeared to me to be drag. Um, So like, a woman would be dressed as a sailor, and my grandma was dressed, um, you know, in a, you know, uh, there was a mock wedding happening. Um, and so they were very queer pictures uh, to me, to my contemporary eyes. And so that's kind of what got me looking at old photographs and kind of mining them for new interpretations. Interesting. Uh, and it's worth noting, uh, unlike so much photography today, like the pictures from that set, if I recall correctly, were often round. Uh, well, that was um, that's something that I imposed. Um, so that that circle was was somewhat referencing a, a peephole, somewhat referencing a scope, or something that you could use to examine the images more closely. So they were, you know, the originals were just little square snapshots that were of that you know, time and era. Uh, well, col- the ones that she had were color, but I converted all of the pictures to black and white. And, and I kind of grew beyond the family collection and started to go out and, and find photographs at like antique stores. I went through a period of time of buying photographs on eBay mm-hmm. and kind of locating source material that way. Um, so the original inspiration was from my family collection, and then it kind of grew very quickly beyond the family collection. Interesting. What I like things, that. I like that round. 
I do, I do too. The cropping is such a, it's such an interesting sort of artistic device because it, it forces you to look at the picture differently and not, um, instead of just like, oh, I understand this, very often you're cropping like part of their heads or faces off. And so you're just getting these connections of, of bodies or their interaction. And it's, it, I find myself dwelling on them much, much longer because you're, tr- it's like your brain is missing a step. It's like, oh, I'm, I don't get it yet. Keep looking, keep looking. And sure. I, I love the additional connotation of a peephole. Sure. Uh, I see that now that you say that. I love it. Right. Well, that's kind of the idea is that I'm, I'm making them those pictures. I make my own images from the original uh, photograph. And so it's not about the specific people, right. which is why, you know, the cropping is very intentional. And I'm trying really hard to make the people, you know, anonymous and to kind of transform them almost into fictional characters. So it's, so it's not about the specific people in the in the picture. And I don't even really want you to know who the specific people are. It's about the yeah. gestures and the imagined relationships uh, between them. I like, okay, hold on, my mind is going in a, in a ton of different directions <laughs> here. One is so much of what I talk about on the podcast and even we just spoke with Doug Menuet and we were discussing composition and he was pushing this idea about the golden mean and I'm sort of I'm resistant because I hate all conversations about forced composition and then I think of your photos with these round frames which of course also are composed you must compose in any shape or kind of frame you're composing in there so it can't be about these golden ratios it's something else about weights and objects in the field of vision what how do you feel about composition is it important well, or how important is it? Yeah, I think it's very important. And there were, you know, there were, I had original source material found photographs that I didn't end up using because I couldn't make that that perfect composition out of the piece. So there has to be a balance between the action that's happening in the image and then how you're composing it. I mean, it's not... It's, there's not a decisive moment to that found photograph for, for me, but at the same time, there's definitely has to be a, a perfect union between the composition and what's happening inside the picture. So, um, so I'm, I'm working with an original that was probably taken by an amateur photographer. Um, and, and so a lot of the composition, the original compositions of the snapshots, the found photographs, they, they weren't necessarily well thought out and they were oddly cropped. And so it, that's the challenge that I really enjoyed was hunting for pictures and then seeing if I could make something out of them. And so there were, you know, there, I have a whole collection of found photographs that I've never done anything with because they didn't quite, they, I couldn't make something that balanced work with them. You describe hunting for pictures. I describe photography often as sort of hunting, but I'm out in the world hunting and you you often are hunting in lots of places, sometimes through existing photos. Um, is that part of photography? Like, does it matter where you hunt? Is hunting part of what it is? Well, I mean, sure. So with with those snapshots, it, it was kind of hunt. You know, it was um, you know hunting through antique stores and looking online. But you know, when I make portraits, so I I also have uh, portraits of contemporary day folks, and I like to work and photograph within the LGBTQ <clears throat> community. And you know, when I do that, it's more of like dating than hunting, where I'm setting up an appointment with someone, I show up, 
I don't really know how it's going to go. There's a certain energy, especially if you're photographing someone that you don't know very well or someone that you've just met. Um, you know, and I didn't realize that until, you know, I was working on my last series and the first portrait that I did for that series, I was so nervous going to the first portrait session. And there's something about that energy that is kind of similar to like going on a blind date. You know, the outcome is a little bit different, of course, but that energy is kind of similar. And I really like that about making portraits. The uncertainty, the discovery, the, the and it's kind of a, I like to think of it as a um, privileged intimacy. Like mm -hmm. it's a stranger, but somehow in this construct, they are letting you in to a very private place for a moment, for a while, and you have some kind of a social obligation to give something back that is meaningful, that powerful, that is because they're letting you in. Well, there's an exchange of, of sorts, you know, they're kind of giving me themselves and, you know, they're trusting me. And so I kind of have to, you know, live up to that trust or prove that it's okay to trust me. And, you know, there's a, a give and take and an exchange that I think is, is really interesting and is similar to a lot of you know, relationships that we have, but it's kind of, you're right, it's like this forced intimacy or that's really fast intimacy um, that is just, I find it unique and I don't feel that with other kinds of projects that I do. Chris, if I can ask you a question about the, the portrait series that you have on your website, there's, uh, I'll blanket describe it and then I'd love you to talk, uh, have you talk about it a little bit more, but there's sort of a picture on the left, which is black and white, uh, which was, looks like it was taken previously in time. And then years later, there's a color photograph. Uh, I'd love to ask you about um, kind of what was the, the catalyst or the inspiration for that project. There's such a beautiful sort of stillness between the images, but you also see almost immediately how their life, how you imagine their life may have changed. Right. So, so that was a group of uh, gay and lesbian subjects that I originally photographed in the year 2000. It was actually, I was still a student, um, undergraduate student when I made the first portraits. And so I shot in black and white. And this was a time when, you know, I wasn't sure that gay marriage would even become legal in my lifetime. It seemed like this very far off goal. And so when gay marriage became legal nationwide in, what was it, 2015? A couple of years ago, 20, yeah. Yeah. Um, so in 2015, I was like, you know, it's interesting how rapidly things have changed in the last, you know, 10 years or 15 years. And so that got me to revisiting those original portraits. So there's a 16-year gap between the black and white picture and the color picture. Cool. And so I so I went back in 2016 and re-photographed 11 of those folks from that original series. Uh, and then I also did video interviews. So I got to have conversations with folks to find out who's married and who's not, who's with their same partner. There were uh, multiple people who are with the same uh, partner that they were. 16 years previously some folks wow. had kids so yeah it was kind of it was just this for me an interesting way to investigate changes you know the the lgbt com community is this you know very large umbrella and so you know how do you investigate how things have changed that was that's like one way to to do it and the setup did you uh, sorry uh, for the setup of the two different portraits there's uh just kind of like a nice 
relationship and perhaps that's something I'm putting on it, but I can't imagine. So between either their body positions or what they're sitting next to or kind of where they are, how did you, uh, how did you kind of come up with that? Was that, it, was, were you really thinking about that going into it or is it something that just kind of happened? Well, they're all environmental portraits and that's a way of working that I like really, really love. I love going into someone else's space and then visually kind of assessing and trying to make an interesting photograph of that. I was very influenced by Arnold Newman when I was when I was younger. He's a uh, was a, a, a incredible uh, photographer and who's kind of known as the father of this environmental portrait way of working. Um, and so, you know, I didn't want to recreate exactly or precisely the photograph um, you know and actually out of all those folks there's only one person that lives in the same location everyone else was in a different house in a different space I saw that so <laughs> it's really just a visual challenge that you walk into a space you're working with a person you know and you're trying to like look at what you have to work with who they are how their space reflects who they are and you just try to make an interesting picture out of that and I really enjoy that challenge that's cool can I can I digress a little bit I want to talk about your your teaching um, sure you teach students you teach college age kids photography is that what you're teaching yeah I teach um, you know predominantly digital photography I teach an alternative photographic processes class but um, so any of the work we do in the darkroom is all um, experimental rather than I don't really teach traditional black and white photography, uh, film photography any longer. What what are students like? Like, what are the kids like? How do you teach photography? Like, how do you structure that? I mean... Yeah, I think, you know, teaching photography now is harder in some ways than it used to be um, in the darkroom because... In the darkroom, there's this magic that the darkroom has. Um, and, you know, years ago, dec- you know, decades ago, teaching photography, folks didn't have a lot of experience with the medium before they got into the classroom. Now, students are already photographers. They are already photographing <laughs> and taking thousands of pictures before they even step foot in your classroom. Mm-hmm. So it's a so the, actually, there's kind of a lot of unlearning that has to happen. You kind of have to break, break down what they think of are good pictures or bad pictures or the process of photographing. They don't think of it as a process because it's so instantaneous. It's mm-hmm. so instant for them. Do they print? So trying, um, they print... They do, although I, I mostly have to encourage them to print. They're they're mostly used to looking at pictures on screens. That's the you know the dominant way that they interact with images now is on phones and laptops and uh, television and all of that. So uh, so for them to print pictures and to enlarge pictures, this idea of enlarging pictures is kind of uh, unique. And so you kind of got to nudge them in that direction a little bit. You kind of have to encourage them. What do they, th- I mean, what is it, have you seen as their experience of seeing, I mean, they've been looking at pictures their whole life. They've take a ton of photographs and then to go through the process of picking one or a few to make larger that you can actually explore and sit with for longer. Like that's not something they know. How do they respond to that? Do they like that feeling? Does it feel like old school? Like pictures aren't meant to be viewed that way? No, I mean, I think some of them really get excited by the process of printing. And, 
it's yeah, it's a unique experience. Um, you know, I, th- I guess the, the thing that I notice is different is there's not as much reflection in their process of photographing. Um, they're used to seeing such a vast number of pictures um, that it's, it's like wallpaper a little bit, right? We look at, there's so many pictures that we are bombarded with every day. So what I try really hard to do is to get them to slow down and think more and reflect more on the pictures that they make. And, and, and that's challenging. It's really challenging to do in the classroom. Um, you know, I think with, with so many things competing for our attention, you know, with, with, you know, apps and shows and social media and just, there's like all sorts of competition for attention. And so for me to ask somebody to, slow down and look at a single picture for several minutes just feels like an eternity I think probably to a <laughs> to an 18 or 19 year old you talked about unlearning um having because they've taken so many photographs uh I, I think for me that's a really interesting concept of you have all this experience that you're coming in and now you're you want to improve but you, to actually improve you sort of have to take a step back and unlearn um can you kind of unpack how you break that down for them? Well, sure. I mean, one of the first things we kind of have to unlearn a little bit is all of the filters that they like to put on top (laughs) of pictures in programs like Instagram. And so it's not like filters are inherently bad, but, you know, I, I want for them to see what different effects, visual effects do to pictures. You know, what does it mean to make something black and white even? What does it mean to make something really high contrast? What visual effect does that have? How does it change the way we read the subject matter? How does it change the feeling and the mood of the picture? So it's not to say that you can't manipulate images, but they, I think that when they come in, they do that without thinking. They're kind of imitating what they see on social media. And so I just want them to, if they're going to make those choices, to just make them consciously so so that's that's kind of you know the biggest thing is is i want you know to for them to really think about those choices Hmm. that's cool um i know you don't have a ton of time and i'm glad we kind of slid in here what um photos do you have on your wall uh, like really that you look at all the time both that you've taken do you have photos up that you've taken and also photos that you didn't take that you love looking at I'm curious what you have up yeah I do have um I do have photos that I've taken I I actually had a series before so the circular images that we talked about earlier that's a project called through the lens of desire I had a a similar project prior to that called the cropped series and it was kind of a, a similar project of looking at gestures and um and so you know, I hang some of my older work um, because, you know, I I just, instead of having it, you know, hidden away somewhere where no one's going to see it, I'm, why not cover the walls with all of this work I've spent so much time on? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I do have some of my own work up. And then also, um, so like I have a, a image behind me here. Uh, it's a series, um, I think Victoria Crahan is the name of the photographer and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that accurately uh, but she did a series where she would put
put messages on marquees of like old abandoned theaters and here I can kind of cool. get, we can get a little closer here. Maybe we could put these in the show notes if you could get a snapshot of that so we can show it. Yeah, absolutely. I could send you a link to her website. Um, and so they're messages that are displayed. So they're kind of private messages that are displayed in a very public way. And so, so cool. you know, that. so the one, yeah, the one that that's up here, it reads, it's possible we just missed each other. And and so I, I, I bought that from a print sale because it's actually taken in Michigan. And so I was also a little bit attached to the fact that it's a theater here in my home state. And I just thought the message was, was kind of, it's ambiguous, but there's a lot of ways you can read it. There's kind yeah. of a, it's a little melancholy, perhaps. That's so interesting. What's your, I, I always, I forgot to ask this. What's your feeling about retouching photos? Is there a line in Photoshop? Like, is there stuff that you're totally comfortable doing? And then is there a line where you're not comfortable and maybe a gray zone between them? Well, I think it depends on the context of the photograph. So I think really you can do anything to manipulate a photograph that you want to, as long as you are providing context for the viewer to understand what you're doing. So if you're going to be highly manipulating, retouching, removing things from photographs, I think you should set the context for the viewer. And, you know, that's where artist statements or project statements and in, in telling viewers about your working process so that folks don't misunderstand, misinterpret or misread your photographs to be some form of objective truth um, when they're clearly not or they're clearly manipulated. So I, I don't think there's hard and fast rules. Um, I mean, there are in certain kinds of photography, obviously like photojournalism, you have to be, um, you know, you should be really hands off. And uh, But at the same time, I, I think we're all making choices about what we frame through the viewfinder. There, is, mm -hmm. there isn't a, a purely objective truth to be had anywhere as long as you're holding a camera and moving a frame around the world you're always making choices and so you're you're always you're always cropping something out yeah <laughs> and you're making oh, a decision yeah. yeah yes absolutely absolutely um so i think i think context matters um largely in that realm yeah what is one word that makes your photos uniquely you or uniquely yours one word um uh, close Oh, I like that mm. answer. That's Good. great. So it's kind of so not quite intimate, but close to intimate. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what I also like about your choice of words is that it's kind of it's an ambiguous word. It's open to interpretation, and I think a lot of the things with with your photographs, uh, what I really enjoy is that it's the, that there's more story, and it's it it begs interpretation. It begs you to kind of get closer to to investigate and to see them as well as the the proximity that obviously that is implied with um with, with your work i oh, think that's well, a perfect you. word I, I love it yeah i appreciate those the, those thoughts yeah anyway thank you so much i hope you make it to your appointment on time oh yeah this is perfect perfect timing yeah and it was it's such a pleasure to talk with you great stay in touch okay Oh, absolutely, I will. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco. Go to neomodern.com slash podcast to get show notes, see photos, and post comments. Uh, please leave reviews and ratings on iTunes, and don't forget to subscribe. 
We get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. If you know someone who might get something from us, send them a link. Thanks to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music and all of you for hanging out with us. We appreciate your attention and hope we've given you some things to think about. Until next time. <laughs>